The story takes place in liminal time and liminal space. The wilderness is a place in between. And the people are in the midst of a great undertaking, a great migration between slavery under Pharaoh and Egypt and freedom with the God of their ancestors in the Promised Land. But it's here in this wild place on the way that they find themselves vulnerable to a host of threats. Threats of violence from nearby armies, attacks from wild animals, and then there is the barrenness from the arid desert landscape. And though food and water are in short supply, perhaps what they are most vulnerable to in this wilderness space is their own fear. You see, for them, both in this moment and in many others to come. This journey into their newfound freedom does not hold all of the promise that it once did. And in that paucity of hope, the fear sets in. You see, not long ago in the story, the prospect of leaving oppression in Egypt seemed too good to be true. And then it miraculously happened. God saved them, as it says, with a mighty hand. And the exodus from Egypt commenced with reparations, with miracles, and with singing and dancing on the safe side of the Reed Sea. But now, in the desert, the crack of the taskmaster's lash is just a distant echo. The pain of oppression is now drowned out by the pain of hungry stomachs and thirsty, parched throats, and the people begin to despair. Which just goes to show you that pain in the present, plus an idealized past, equals little hope for the future. I'll say that again. Pain in the present, plus an idealized past, equals little hope for the future. Let the church understand. I feel like many of us in this Richmond Hill community are living in a kind of liminality between destruction and completion, between closure and operation. We are living in the midst of reconstruction. Perhaps many of you here in the chapel or watching on your device Perhaps you feel in the in-betweenness of your situations and circumstances. And it still feels to me like we occupy this strange moment between COVID and an elusive new normal. And exhaustion, exhaustion and grief accompany us in this part of the journey. But God is gracious in these liminal situations as our story bears witness. And we are reminded that sometimes to get from point A to point C, we have to go through point B. And so, and so for the liminal time being, uh, this liminal space is home. So the people threatened by hunger ask for food and God gives it to them. Quail is served up at twilight and bread, miraculous bread from heaven, 
That is available at dawn for those wishing to forage for it. The people saw the bread and said, what's this? What is it? And so it was called man, or mana, which, as an aside, every first year Hebrew professors, uh, every first year Hebrew professor will tell you that uh, mana, what is it, is the world's oldest, wait for it, wonder bread. Jokes aside, God doesn't just provide. We go on to read one of the loveliest lines in Scripture and what should still be our hope for the world today, and that's in verse 18 where we read that they gathered as much as each of them needed. Isn't that lovely? Give us this day our daily bread, and everyone has enough. It reminds me that when we talk about abundance, going off script here, when we talk about abundance, that we already have enough. The world produces enough. What are we doing with it? But it takes time to transition from Pharaoh's economy of scarcity to God's economy of abundance. And that's where the problem of our story arises. You see, much of the story of Israel in the Hebrew Bible can be seen from the perspective that you can take the people out of Egypt, but it is much, much harder to take Egypt out of the people. And the way that shows up in this story is that we find the people rationing the manna. As the story goes, they're supposed to gather and eat their fill, but those who just can't bring themselves to trust God, they decide that they're going to save some for the next day, you know, just in case God doesn't come through. They're unable to trust that they will receive enough for the day at hand and then enough for tomorrow. But God is not Pharaoh. And I think that's one of the main points of this story, that God wants the Israelites and us to understand this distinction. The same lack of trust happens with the Sabbath. God says not to gather on the Sabbath. That's a day of rest. And God actually is willing to grant this formerly enslaved nation a day of rest. Don't miss that. God says, in my economy, you will have rest. Six days will be enough. And so on the sixth day, there will be twice as much manna, enough for the sixth and seventh day. And what do the people do? They're out on the Sabbath looking for manna that isn't there. For this reason, growing up in my more authoritarian brand of Christianity, the Israelites were played up as stubborn and stiff-necked and just plain disobedient. They were the foil against whom we were to be motivated to be obedient Christians. And in framing the story this way, God becomes like this cosmic hall monitor, waiting for us to step out of line, and frankly, a little too much like Pharaoh. Pharaoh. 
But that's not what's going on here. To be certain, listening and obeying is important. As the Shema, the most important prayer in Israel, suggests, listening is the first commandment. But this is not the way that we are to frame God, nor is it the way that we are to frame the story. The point, again, is that God is not Pharaoh. And where I used to think that Israel's disobedience reveals that old habits die hard, I realize now that these aren't mere habits. They're traumas. Their bodies keep the score of oppression and graceless economies and the choreographies of enslavement. And this shows up in the manna episode because in Pharaoh's economy of scarcity, what is acquired must be hoarded, and what is promised cannot be trusted. But in God's economy of abundance, what is given is enough for now, and what is promised is enough for tomorrow. As I mentioned a moment ago, liminal spaces make us vulnerable. Liminal space, liminal space can expose our pain and our woundedness. And whether we lived with idealized pasts that we need somehow to return to, or idealized, future, idealized futures that will solve everything, supposedly, to that degree we will find ourselves unable to be present to the spaces and moments that we inhabit in the liminality where God has called us. And the somewhat cyclical question that I want to ask, or at least for us to consider, as our own twilight forms around us this evening, do we trust God enough to be present? And are we present enough to trust God? Lately, in my personal life, I've been getting these signals from people or situations that I feel that that are sending the message that I need to pay attention. And I even remember that this is one of the things that I challenged us as a community to do back in January, just after the pipes broke. Pay attention. And for a while, the signals were, they were cool. You know, it gave me kind of the excitement that you get when you feel like God's revealing stuff to you and there's activity in that supernatural sphere. But in time, as the signals and invitations kept coming, it kind of precipitated in me this sort of paranoia. Like, Lord, what am I not seeing? What am I looking for? It made me a little jumpy spiritually, to be perfectly honest. And it made me a little anxious, like, what what if I miss it? But God is gracious in these liminal spaces. And I think the answer came from two very dear people, whether they realize it or not. And the first answer for me was to look within specifically at the pain and the woundedness inside, and to start pulling at those threads to reveal what's underneath. And the second answer was to look around, 
specifically at the ways God has given me the things that I long for, everything that I need. But my obsessions with idealized futures hid those things from me. So I think I'm beginning to understand that following the pain means pulling the thread on my anxieties to reveal what I put my security in. Or to pull the thread on my obsessions to reveal what I'm really paying attention to. Or pulling on the thread of my anger to reveal what I am truly loving or how much I am investing in that love because I believe that anger shows us the unhealthy loves in our lives. And in pulling these threads, I find myself entering into another liminal space, that part of the journey where I'm moving from paying attention to tending, or more specifically, transitioning from paying attention to what's in and around me toward attending to the work that these questions and conversations have placed before me. And so with the faith communities that I participate in, trusted friends and family, learning resources, spiritual direction, therapy, and, of course, give us this day our daily meds, I'm paying attention, and I'm tending. I'm tending, and I'm paying attention. And I hope the same for you, and for this community of Richmond Hill. I hope that we will be present enough to trust, and trust enough to be present. May we find in God enough for now with the hope of enough for tomorrow. And may we find work, rest, and play as much as each of us needs in the liminal spaces and moments that we now call our home on the way. And so as we draw near to the celebration of the Lord's table, just a little bit more of our manna for today. I want to offer a blessing, and I want to offer credit to uh, Kevin Dillon and Lindsey Franklin for making me aware of this prayer, this blessing called Twilight People, which is an evening Shabbat prayer from the Sha'ar Zahav community in San Francisco, or the Golden Gate uh, Temple in San Francisco. Will you pray with me? As the sun sinks and the colors of the day turn, we offer a blessing for the twilight. For twilight is neither day nor night, but in between. We are all twilight people. We can never be fully labeled or defined. We are many identities and loves, many genders and none. We are in between roles at the intersection of histories, or between place and place. We are crisscrossed paths, paths of memory and destination, 
streaks of light swirl together. We are neither day nor night. We are both, neither, and all. May the sacred in-between of this evening suspend our certainties, soften our judgments, and widen our vision. May this in-between light illuminate our way to the God who transcends all categories and definitions. May the in-between people who have come to pray be lifted up into this twilight. We cannot always define, but we can always say a blessing. So blessed are you, God of all, who brings on the twilight, the dawn, and all of our in-betweens. Amen.